Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, January 27th, 2022. I'm Tell Me on the Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm arts and culture writer, Ashley Steves. Uh, as always, make sure that you're on our Patreon for Broadway Radio. That's patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. And you could hear this really, really fun interview I did with the Space Dogs themselves, yeah. Nick Blameyer and Van Hughes, uh, on Patreon before everybody else. So I hope Not that bad. you listened to it. I will be listening to it soon because I'll be seeing Space Dogs soon in a couple of weeks. I'm very excited about that. You're going to have so much fun and as someone I'm who going and with I didn't, Mr. Matt Tamanini so it's bound to be a good time regardless oh I heard it's yeah. going to be a rom <laughs> but I I think what was funny was like I knew kind of going into it like I know these guys like they're so fun and cool and like yeah. I've you know I've known their like music for a while and like so much of the room I felt like was like MCC investors like older oh, and they were like sure. not ready to like <laughs> engage like they were like shout out for us to like roll over and it was quiet oh, I was like god. roll over no. oh my god oh no <laughs> so I hope the audiences are as excited as I was and I know that you're going to be like that too and um, learn about the Bolshevik oh. revolution oh hell yeah um, on that note it's a happy opening night to the cast and crew and team behind Dominic Morisot's skeleton crew at Manhattan Theater Club. The show has had so many iterations and um, kind of like stopping and starting uh, with with just the pandemic and and having to, you know, wait so long. But they did this, you know, at Atlantic Theater Company, and now they've opened to what I think are some pretty good reviews. Uh, we've been waiting all night. Ashley and I have been waiting on the reviews to record this for you. So um, Happy here 10 we PM, go. Baby. Happy 10 p.m., everybody. So the cast is led by Felicia Rashad with direction by Ruben Santiago Hudson. And we're going to begin with the New York Times making it Jesse Green's critics pick, citing uh, Ruben Santiago Hudson's staging at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater, improving in many ways on the one he directed at Atlantic theater company in 2016 makes the most of the larger space and the excellent new cast at its considerable best skeleton crew practices that preachment its characters are not just building blocks in a moral tale but a pleasure for actors to perform and thus for audiences to experience especially in the scenes when Rashad and Durden get to use every tool their years on stage have put at their disposal um, I really like that it speaks to like their work uh, most of these uh, reviews seem to have that thread so uh timeouts adam feldman gave this four out of five stars with uh saying rashad can't resist being charming she twinkles a bit like the star she is but if some of the grit has been lost in skeleton crew's refurbishment uh broadway form which also includes flashy video effects morris's play remains firmly based in the lives and evocative language of its characters whom santiago hudson treats with the respect they deserve so there, he's kind of citing like the the previous performer mm-hmm. that played the yeah. role on Atlantic Theater Company was just a little grittier. Um, they they're flawed but decent people, driven by forces that may or may not be beyond their control. Juan Ramirez for Theaterly writes, Ruben Santiago Hudson, who apparently couldn't get enough of the Friedman Theater following his excellent <laughs> turn in Lackawanna Blues. I'm glad someone said that because I was wondering. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, directs the cast with a sharp understanding how these breezy workspaces can take us into an HR storm if we let our guards down. His directorial hand is slight and realistic, allowing the characters to organically carve out spaces for themselves in an industrial wasteland meant to exploit, not nurture, their abilities. Morso has created a brilliant 
brilliant modern workplace tragedy masterfully attuned to the ways the American dream has made sleepwalkers of us all. If there is a tiny bit of motherly compassion missing from Rashad's portrayal of that plant matriarch, it is more than atoned for by the nuances and moments of joy felt throughout the play. A stunning assembly line of workers trying their best to not fall off the belt. Mm, very nice. I did picture kinky boots in that moment. I'm not going to lie to you. Bit, right? I literally did. <laughs> a I was like, hold on. Bit. Also, modern workplace tragedy is redundant as hell, but... <laughs> Oh, here we are. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> Helen Shaw, because name a woman. For a dollar. <laughs> for a dollar, name a woman. Uh, Helen Shaw uh, for Vulture says, as a storytelling engine, skeleton crew glides along with the uh, complications slotting neatly into revelations and a worker's poetry lubricating the action. The hugeness of the freedman, though, emphasizes how few uh, other figures there are in Morris's drama and that makes it its reality falter. And where the play pays scrupulous attention to the in-room dynamics, the outside world seems smeared with broad strokes. But it may be that these people just really liked it in the intimate setting. And yeah. I think that that's been consistent with a lot of plays we've seen this I season. I was just about to say, so what I'm getting from this, and I mean, these are very great reviews. Um, yeah. It, you know, the <laughs> one, first of all, to get it out of the way, the kind of thing that we've been not looking forward to this piece has been Felicia Rashad, and that has yeah. to do with some things outside of her acting career, such as sticking up for Bill Cosby, and then promptly apologizing, but in a way that most people were not happy with, self-included. Anyway, um, that's kind of been the one, uh, like the one aspect of this show that I have not it, it hasn't been like top of my list that I really want to see this, but it has been the number one thing that I'm like, if she wasn't in it, I would be running to the box office to get tickets because I love Dominique Mauricio's work. Um, I've been excited that this has been a part of the season for as long as it's been announced, which has been a very long time at this point. Yeah. Um, but all that said, like, this sounds like a beautiful piece. And the main thing that I have seen <laughs> from the reviews has mentioned the space. Um, it seems like that's been, as you said, the case for a lot of plays. And, you know, we've talked about, is this a room and Dana H? And it's just like, are, it's the, are, are these pieces going to be swallowed up by the house or are they going to adapt to it? And a lot have done so and a lot haven't. And this seems really mixed. I can't. Really, I feel like this is, as you said, like people preferred the more intimate setting of it and brought that into their reviews with them. And that's fine because I certainly felt that way about certain shows, um, including Is This a Room? So yeah. it will, this very much seems like a to each their own situation as far as like, <laughs> did the, did the space swallow it up or did it feel a little too polished or what? Yeah, and I think that, like, you know, as we're entering kind of like a new age because of the pandemic of, mm -hmm. you know, Broadway, especially theater, I'm like, hey, can we just, like, revisit that whole thing about, like, just needing every show to be in this big, giant theater? Totally. And I know that a lot of it has to make money and, like, it's it's a game and it's a business and I'm not going to discount any of it. Yep. But, like, like, we're both saying it's just like, wait a second. <laughs> Did Perhaps, this need to move? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't need to do that. And um, I know it's about uh, the monies, but um, when we're speaking about important, exciting work like this, wouldn't you rather enjoy it in the space that it's meant for? 
Uh, you know, and that's it's very much a yes but situation. Yeah. And as you said, it's a business, <laughs> they need to make money. Like the, the most recent conversation I've had about this recently was about Kimberly Akimbo possibly transferring and like how no. well it fits an intimate space. And it yeah. seems like it may come to Broadway, who's to say? Yeah. Um it, that's one of those shows where I don't think I would necessarily have a problem with it, but of course I enjoyed it in a more intimate setting, as I tend to do with most shows. I intend to see most shows in a like three person theater. <laughs> like I'm yeah, okay, I'm okay with that as long as there's not audience participation as well. Like I don't need to be with two thousand people <laughs> to enjoy a show. It's just it's it's not always the mood I'm after. It's certainly not like. It, post shutdown like i don't want to be in a room with that many people so no this is not a harry styles concert we are not yeah. msg <laughs> and if we are we're paying far too much money because i did it's try true. to go it's and true. jenny lewis was opening for him oh, and god. i wanted to see her and my god i'm not paying love them both love them both oh, but oh no exactly oh queer journey um uh. in almost broadway news uh sir andrew Lloyd weber's cinderella which you can listen to the cast recording of right now uh, uh is planning to that wasn't a plug it's not part of like broadway records or anything i'm just saying that it's, because i'm you certainly listen not to- plugging it but you can do whatever no, you see I'm not, fit <laughs> i'm not plugging it i just want like because we don't have like a lot of clips we have some photographs yeah. but like if you are interested in what this piece is going to be like you can listen to the album there you go uh, they are planning a broadway fall transfer um, according to like casting notices it kind of indicates that that's when they're aiming to come uh but again like you know they have a yet to be named theater this brand new musical um is what has the book by emerald fennel who i'm really excited to read that but um yeah it's kind of one of those like hey we we you know we're we're casting but we we're you know casting. Who knows? it Say. could be it could be here <laughs> if we have a theater and because i'm andrew lord weber like of course there'll be enough interest i'll just put on a show and it won't be a problem yeah uh, i know they're eyeing I a guess, couple like yeah, specifically but yeah. they haven't named it yeah so we'll see i guess i cannot promise i will be the first person in line but i am more likely to be in line because of emerald fennel writing something than anything else (laughs) weird how that happens camilla parker bowles in the flesh for the diana fans out there watch a tv show congratulations (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so the broadway grosses which you know i don't like reporting about no no of course Um, not so they hit 16.5 million dollars last week which is the second lowest on record for this season making it the lowest number of running productions reporting grosses for the entire season for the entire broadway season uh capacity increased to 75 percent which is the highest of the past four weeks that's a win i like that let's like to see it but let's bring it back down it came with an average ticket price of 108 dollars which is the lowest of the season now i know that that's important to some people that have like stakes in those things and that affects like paychecks and whatnot sure but for me knowing that the average ticket price was 108 dollars, i'm like that's closer to what we need that's closer to <laughs> what we need oh definitely it's not uh, you know a win-win situation or a lose-lose situation here it's just very much i hope y'all get paid what you deserve to be paid and also i don't want to spend yes. more than a hundred dollars on a seat on any occasion you know, I looked at today, my dear darling, I was mm. I was a little I was out of it and I was like, 
okay, you know what? You know what? I do want to go to the first night that Beetlejuice opens. I Ooh. do want to go. And I had tickets in my damn cart the day that they uh, went out, but I was like, no, 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 no. Like, don't, don't be frivolous. Like I couldn't really, you know, squeeze it, whatever. And then I looked today and I am not joking. It's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> of course like, it's a lot. Like, of course it's one, a lot. I saw one that I was like, this has to be a joke. It was like $700 for no. orchestra, like in the back. You were on the music band like, page. Yes, or just uh, Mr. Saturday Night. Yeah, and I was just yeah. like, dang, how is anyone seeing anything? Yeah, like, that's true. I just, you know, when we were looking at capacity and everything, I'm just like, does this have to do with like the, you know, how uh, the ticket prices, you know, what is all that? I know it's a hundred different things. There's no yeah. one right answer, but it was just wild. How's it? We're in Broadway week right now. Go get those deals. Broadway week, yeah, being like Broadway three weeks, I guess. Broadway and then, two and a half months. Well, and then after that, it's off Broadway week, which uh, I find is like even more of a deal. This is the thing. Like if I'm not spending more than a hundred dollars on company tickets, then Ooh. That's how you know that we shouldn't be Everybody paying more was than... getting Hades Town and Company right now. I have I got some company with Mr. Matt. Uh so yeah, I haven't gotten Hades Town yet. I will probably get Hades Town though because oh. it's been a few months. So I'm dying <laughs> on the inside. Fair enough. Yeah. So we're going to take a moment from the show to talk about our sponsor for this week. We said it earlier, Broadway Records. Hello. So Broadway Records, we're announcing like 10 years of creating memorable musical moments, which I think is so sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, chef's kiss. Yeah. Uh, for a decade, Broadway Records has led the industry as a Grammy-winning record label dedicated to releasing Broadway cast recordings as well as preserving legacy musical theater and theater vocalist repertoire. Yeah, while the past 10 years have included plenty of exciting concept recordings, cast albums, solo projects, and more, Broadway Records announced a groundbreaking partnerships with the National Theatre in London and Roundabout Theatre Company in New York, of course. If you need your live album fix and can't make it to New York, Broadway Records has dozens of live albums. We've probably seen a lot of their shows recorded at the historic Feinstein's 54 Below. You know I love it. Yeah, creating opportunities for musical theater fans like me, because let's face it, like that is how I was able, and I'm sure you were too. Oh yeah. That's how we were able to stay connected to Theater New York. Like, that's how we preserve things, right? Cast recordings are the heartbeat of honoring past and future generations of musical theater. Hello. Um, so I have to share this because um, I talked about Groundhog Day yesterday with Matt. Ooh, hello. But in in my time working with them, um, a couple of things, a couple of great projects I've gotten to work on are not only Carolina Change, uh, mm-hmm. but like Edge of the World by Ethan Slater and Nick Blameyer getting to hear Norbert Leo Butts sing about rocks. I can't make it up. It's actually really good. (laughs) It's incredibly good, actually. I will vouch for that as well. So I'm just saying that there are lots of like, there's a new discovery series where you can kind of invest in uh, a new creator, you know, new composers that you've never heard of before. Like, sure, there's Aaron's and Flaherty, but there's also all these people that you've never heard of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, new releases all the time, including, as you mentioned, Roundabout Theater Company's Carolina Change, which is an exceptional cast recording, and also the National Theater's Hex. So for more information, you can follow the Spotify profile under Broadway Records, follow them on social media to learn more about upcoming recordings at B-Way Records, and explore the entire catalog, broadwayrecords.com. Listen to your Broadway favorites and discover something new by going to broadwayrecords.com.
So in some wickedly talented adult Azim news. Yes, indeed. Tip of the hat. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Sharon Sachs will join the Broadway company of Wicked as Madame Morrible beginning Monday, February 14th. Sharon takes over for Alexandra Billings, who will play her final performance mm. on January 30th. Boo! I know. Stay in it I, I know. I didn't get to see her. <laughs> we were just talking about this, how she would actually get me to go see Wicked. And I just do not have the time or finances at the moment. Uh, come back. True. Her tenure is, is so soon, but I feel like she'll be back. Yeah. Um, I think she had a great time. It looked like she had a great time and, and everyone enjoyed her. So as exciting as it is to have Sharon Sachs yes. uh, back in this role. Congratulations. Um, goodbye, Alexandra, who, uh, oh my God. Uh, Judy Kay, who all of you Diana fans can't stop talking Damn, this about. This is the Diana fan show. Tune in. Here we are. Uh, she will step back into the role from February 2nd through February 13th, having played the role previously. If you got to see her before, she's back, bitches. Uh, <laughs> she joins Brittany Johnson, who steps into Glinda Shoes full time on February 14th with Amanda Jane Cooper reprising her role in the interim. So lots of great little casting news for, for all of those yeah. women. Congratulations. And um, we love to see it. We love to see it. Speaking of people I love to see figure skating, Sierra Bogus <laughs> and Chip Zion. Chip Zion doesn't figure skate as far as I know, but I no. know that Sierra does. Um, they uh-huh. will both lead the New York debut of the Bear Ma- Barry Manilow and Bruce Sussman's Harmony musical. Oh, yeah. Uh, the national. Yeah. I, you know, we've, we've, talked about it before on the show but now that they have some some casting news i was like okay hi (laughs) chips i am playing a rabbi hi always Uh, the national yiddish theater uh folks band will present the musical beginning march 23rd at the museum of jewish heritage a living memorial to the holocaust opening night is scheduled for april 13th for a run through may 8th direction and choreography will be by warren carlisle so get ready mm-hmm. all i'm saying is get ready uh and again i want to reiterate like what the the context of the show is just because i don't want this to be like a soundbite of me saying that there's a barry manilow musical and chip zion is playing barry manilow mm-hmm. he is not that's no, not what this no, is no, no. Uh, the musical tells the true story of the comedian harmonist and ensemble of six young men in the 1920s germany who took the world by storm with their blend of sophisticated close harmonies oh Mm-hmm. and uproarious stage antics um, until their inclusion of Jewish singers put them on a collision course with history. That's Very their synopsis. Uh, it sounds like pentatonics in the 1920s. Yes, obviously. Also with some very real and upsetting um, truth. Sure. So can't wait. Hope they use that as a clip. Hope they that's, use- it. that's the poll quote. That's, that's going to be on all their marketing materials. You're in the money, baby. Yeah, here we are. So mm, go see Harmony if you're if you're in the neighborhood. I will do. Uh, April thirteenth. I will through follow Chip's eye into the end of the earth. So I will obviously see it. Literally a quick anecdote: the way my one of my dear best friends Mackie grabbed my hand during Carolina Change <laughs> and said, "I've never seen him live." Oh, <laughs> so and then I realized, like, yeah, I've I've never seen. Well, maybe I did because of falsettos. But I, I just never thought about the fact that like we, the people that grew up watching Into the Woods on VHS or DVD for years of our lives, that's that's getting to see him live. You're so right. No, you're so right. (sighs) So I just, I love that for you. And I love that for us. (laughs) Yes. Uh, In Maine, where I enjoyed a delicious hot dog and lobster roll this past summer. Right. I really did. There's a video a of me place. shoving it in my oh, mouth. Oh, I love Maine. Oh, we love Maine. You know why? Because they understand seafood and butter. Correct. 
classic so a combination. Playhouse. This is how I segue into a Gunkwit Playhouse yeah. because that is where I spent the <laughs> yeah. summer at Gunkwit Playhouse. Um, they've announced some upcoming new shows for their for their whole season um, with some new things and some past favorites. They're including Clue the Play. Play. I said it play here. With, play with music, not a musical. The play with music that they are presenting currently at Paper Mill Playhouse. It's the same one. They're doing it at a Gunkwit. Hello. Nice. I am on call for any role. Uh, the Share mm-hmm. Show which I, I love that they're doing that. Perfect. And then the other two are two new shows. So they're presenting The Nutty Professor in July, which is a new musical based on the Jerry Lewis 1963 film directed by Mark Bruni. Mm. Um, features a book uh, by Rupert Holmes and music by a chorus line composer, Marvin Hamlish. You're familiar, okay, right? Okay, yes, indeed. Um, it's the final score he composed before he died in 2012. Interesting. So I didn't realize that. I didn't either. I okay. That's sure. Yeah. And then the other one I actually know too much about. Okay. <laughs> because it is the world premiere musical adaptation of Mr. Holland's opus. Now, mm, this mm-hmm. show has been iterations. I've seen uh the workshops. Um, if you listen to Tell Me on a Sunday, you can hear me talk to the lyric and book writer and director. Can you guess who that is? I can't. It is Tony Award-winning B.D. Wong, ladies Ooh. and gentlemen. B.D. Wong has been working on this project for quite a while. Um, I'm I'm really excited because it, at the heart of it, you don't. M- many of you may not realize that B.D. Wong was a band kid, and mm. so this Oof. particular property means a lot to him. And so, if you're familiar with the 1995 Richard Dreyfuss film, it is based on this. So, what did what did B.D. Wong play? I think he played. Um, uh, violin. Ooh, I think that if troubled, I remember it correct. Troubled child. Um, Got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Overachiever, but, um, troubled child. Yeah. So uh, I'm really curious. I They were supposed to present this like two years ago. Yeah. It was 2020, I think, mm. was supposed to be the summer uh, production of Mr. Holland's Opus. So um, they've Good. been they've been wanting to present this at Okunkwit for a while. And I'm, nice. I'm really glad that they're finally getting to do uh, so. Ah, there we go. Road trip then to Maine. You'll know, you know I'll do it. Uh, and I want to see it. So we should. So the West Coast premiere of Jeremy O'Harris's Slave Play begins February 9th at Center Theater Group, starring Antoinette Crow Legacy, Jonathan Higginbottom, Devin Kawakoa, uh, Tony nominee Shalia Latour, Irene uh, Sophia Lucio, Paul Alexander Nolan. I I hate to objectify this man, but um, <laughs> I uh, very pretty. I will. I will. I'm. I don't even like feet, but let me tell you, when this man <laughs> enters. Enters in Bright Star with no <laughs> shoes on. Sir, you don't know what you're doing like, to us. Fetish, you really don't a know. fetish revealed, apparently, for Grace I, I, I saw him thrice in Dr. Zhivago by choice. That's not what this is about. I'm so sorry. We got to go back to Slave Pit. Okay, so the, the point of all of this is to say that, like, this is most of the, like, OBC and, like, Broadway cast. They're yeah, returning. Yeah, say, some very uh, familiar names here. Robert O'Hara, the director, is returning oh. to direct. The original creative team, including scene designer uh, Clint Ramos, who I adore. Uh, the fact that they have this entire team ready to do the West Coast is so exciting, and I'm I'm so honored that they are getting to see, like, the same show that we did. Yeah. Um, it's going to be awesome. So if you're on that coast, please go to Center Theater Group and see this show. I'm really sad I didn't get to see Slave Play again in a second Me run. Too. 
Uh, it just, yeah. it didn't happen. It was bad timing with Omicron, which is disappointing in and of itself. Um, just didn't get to see it. And, you know, I loved it so much the first time around. We all did and <laughs> clearly shocked at the, uh, Tonys, whatever the hell those were. Um, but yeah, uh, excited for everyone on the West Coast that now gets to see it. If you're a pan fan. Paul Alexander, no. <laughs> and Sam. Uh, all right, pan so fan. Oh, no, pan fan. <laughs> I ta- almost had t-shirt tattooed ta- across your chest. Yeah, hashtag pan fan. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk a little bit because you can read the whole thing in the infographic that we are linking in the show notes. But the Dramatist Guild and the Lilies organization have released their third installment of the Count. It kind of talks about you know like it, it's data based on you know gender equity mm-hmm. in the arts as a survey. Um, and as far as like produced playwrights, I'm just going to kind of read through a couple of them. So as far as produced playwrights by race, 80% are white, 20% are BIPOC. That's include that's that's not like just black creators. That's uh, black indigenous people of color. That's that's mm-hmm. running the gamut of people of color um, versus uh, white uh, produced playwrights. And then 31% are female, 68% are male, and less than 1% are non-binary by gender. Uh, there are tons of percentages that are not shocking, but it is really helpful to see this revealed, um, especially when it comes to like revivals by race and gender. I never thought oh, about how what we choose to revive is also part of this thread. You know what I mean? It's not just new works. Uh, So, yeah, I just think, um, you know, knowledge is power when it comes to a lot of this. And so like, how can we enact change, hire a non-binary person, hiring a woman at every chance you get, because to to be frank with you, men don't need your help (laughs) Um, when it comes to, you know, opportunities of earth at this point. And it's not to slight um, any, any, men who who are writing and who are creating and who are allies and and who are it, it really isn't it's just to say that um the opportunity levels are just drastically different yep. for non-binary people uh, and and women and especially women of color so um that's all we just wanted to include that so that you could take a look at it and and relay it to you know whomever your theater companies exactly. your when you direct whatever that means um i was watching i was watching sundance and there was an incredible documentary uh, called um, Brainwashed. And Ooh, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm begging you to see it. I'm begging everyone to see it when the opportunity arises, when it's out of Sundance, because I guarantee you it's going to be on some platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and literally just like the percentages and, and learning about how our industry works, it was it was really fascinating. So anyways. Yeah, that's, <laughs> one, that's one recommendation. That's one recommendation. And the other one is from a class act. So many of you know that um, COVID-19 is affecting not just Broadway, but a lot of local to New York theater companies at Theater mm-hmm. Row. So uh, J2 is offering a buy one, get one free ticket offer for a class act, which is really, really great. Um, they do really good work over there. You can use code J2BOGO to get one complimentary ticket when you purchase one at a regular price of $55. That's, that's, hey, that is less than Broadway week. See, you know? see, <laughs> what was I just saying? There's no show worth spending more than $100 on. Yes. So just saying. You can go see um, this. You can go see this twice. You can see this twice. And a and, class and act, I didn't know a lot about times. this show. 
Yeah, yeah. It has a book by Lonnie Price. Are you kidding it's me? It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And don't forget about our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. You can find me on all social media platforms at It's Grace Aki. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No This Is Ashley. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you later. 